Hello, language lovers, and welcome to Love, Joy, and Languages, a podcast about loving languages and finding joy in learning them. I am Heidi, the host of this show, and I am joined here today with a very special guest who's going to be co-hosting this episode with me. And the topic is just joyful language learning. Now, this co-host is a woman who needs no introduction, but she's been absolutely pivotal in my journey as a language learner because she was the first teacher I came across who teaches how to learn languages according to yourself and your life situation. Her work was the start of a real language journey for me in which I began to unlearn some of the myths and biases and limiting beliefs I held about languages and about myself for so many years. So it is an absolute joy to welcome to the show, Lindsay Williams of Lindsay Does Languages. Hello. What a nice introduction. Oh, I wish that every time I walked into a room, that was <laughs> like on a little megaphone. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the woman behind it all. <laughs> Before we start with our conversation, though, I have to give some administrative messages. Next week is the season three finale of the show. And in that episode, I will be sharing and celebrating listener language learning wins, just like in previous finale episodes. I love creating this episode and hearing the variety of amazing things people see in their language lives and sharing all the goodness. It's just really, really motivating. So it doesn't matter what it is, how big or small, if it's a win for you, it is a win worth sharing. And I want to celebrate those here on Love, Joy, and Languages. So if you want to join those who have already sent me their language wins to be included in the season finale, send me a DM on Instagram or X slash Twitter by tomorrow, Tuesday, October 24th with your achievement. So Lindsay, get us started today with one of your language wins. Oh, lately. So I am in now less than a month at the time of recording. This, If this is going out sort of 23rd of yeah. October, then it will be even closer. But I'm going to be running Istanbul Marathon, which I'm very excited about because I actually, I, I talk about running a lot, but I haven't run a marathon since I want to say like 2017. Um, so it's been a while because then obviously... Well, I was I was traveling for a bit, then COVID happened. And so I haven't done that kind of thing for a while. So I wanted to go abroad and go big. And but yeah, I also wanted to use it as a chance to then learn a new language. Naturally. So I was very excited when Istanbul was one of the last sort of ones of the year, meaning I would have more time to A, run and train, and B, learn a bit of the language. So that is my win is that I've been really very in, in a kind of short time frame, like what could be described as quickly. I've been learning Turkish, but also enjoying it and not feeling pressured, which I think is the other side of quick, you know, that often comes in. So, yeah, being able to learn Turkish quickly and enough Turkish to really enjoy the trip on that deeper level without it becoming this pressure has been yeah. a big language win for me. Ah, oh, that's so exciting. What tools have you been using for learning Turkish? Um, a very old book. I talked about this a few weeks ago on Instagram stories because I was so impressed. It's like, it's a Hugo Turkish in three months, but it's like 80s, 90s. And it has a sticker on the front that says 45p. So either I bought this ages ago from a secondhand shop or my mum did. I'm not really sure. Um, so I've just had it in my language book collection. Like one day to, I'm going to need to learn Turkish. 
So I'll keep the book. So I've been mostly using that to start me off. And then I've had weekly lessons on italki where we've kind of been going through some of the core grammar. And I've been then in recent weeks bringing my sentences that I've practiced with my, I have um, an essential vocabulary list that I share for, for free. Um, that I use myself. <laughs> and so I've been using that and filling that with the core words and then going through that now, adding in sentence examples using the words. Mm-hmm. So yeah, very much kind of practicing what I preach <laughs> in that sense, literally using the, the thing that I made <laughs> to give to people. And so that's been the core of it. A bit of memorize. I found that memorize a little bit of drops. I find that for like short, quick, especially travel focused, like Duolingo goes quite deep. It's more designed, I think, if you want to go long term. So I haven't really used anything like that. But yeah, a bit of memorize and a bit of drops in terms of apps. That's kind of it. Quite simple. Oh, and Easy Turkish mm-hmm. is the other one on YouTube. They're really, really great. So yeah, nice little combo. I like that you have such a variety because I'm a, I'm a resource hoarder. I want all the stuff and all the language. And as a beginner, it's really easy to want all of them because you just don't quite know what you're going to like, or you don't yeah. quite know what's going to give you what you need for why you're, you want the language. And, and I like, just like just a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And, you know, and then whenever you're done with your marathon, do you have plans for continuing the language? It's just like, yeah, I'm going to learn it so I can function a little bit in the country when I'm there. And then eh, who knows? Depends how, I mean, be there for two weeks. So it depends how much. If, I, if I'm like, yeah, I want to come back to Turkey, uh. <laughs> then maybe I'll keep going. <laughs> then don't eat the food because it'll hook you and you'll have to go back. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> food is always a good, a good, easy hook, right? Yeah. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. This reminds me of something. I mean, it's something that I know you've said before, maybe not in such a direct way, but on one of your podcast episodes, um, which we'll plug your podcast again at the end <laughs> as well. Um, but you said something recently along the lines of like learning a language doesn't have to be learning the language. It can literally be learning a little bit here and there. It can be for a trip or whatever. And this was so useful to me because there's a lot, I mean, language people are, you know, we're all just humans and we like to bicker online about everything and everything is, uh, you know, can, can be turned so negative. But there's so many people like, oh, this is my focus this week. And that's my focus that week. And it's really easy to judge people behind that screen and say, well, you're obviously not actually learning the languages, but who cares? Mm -hmm. Like just a little bit here and there for whatever purposes is so much fun. And especially if it's kind of similar to another one that you know, because then you can learn more about that language the one that's more advanced and just making connections. Like I find those little connections in languages so exciting. Like I can look at a word in French or Spanish and immediately know it because it's close to Italian or in German. I mean, there's so many words I see and I'm like, oh, I can connect that to English. So I don't have to learn it. Um, Those little things are so exciting and it doesn't matter if you intend to learn the whole language or or not. And it's like, it's such a really, really useful piece of advice that I love. And now you're living it in your own Turkish and other journeys as well. You've learned several languages that you didn't necessarily intend to keep, you know, for a long time, haven't you? Yeah, a few. I think Turkish makes it like 15, 16 in terms of languages that I would say I've studied to a reasonable kind of conversational survival minimum Mm -hmm. sort of level. Um, And then many more beyond that where I can say a few things or have you know 
gone all in for like a weekend. I remember in in the first lockdown, I studied Norwegian solid for like a whole weekend. It was really cool and really, really interesting. I had no intention of going any further with it. But like you say, that was enough for me at that moment. And it's not necessarily, I think the default then is to think, oh, what a waste of time. What a waste of a weekend. You could have gone further if you're not going to take like, no, 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 no. I'm not here for that at all. Like if you want to just even just to learn the the alphabet or to say hello. I remember back in, um, it was like 2015. And because it's funny you say about like the internet and language learning. I remember when I first started kind of moving my business online and there was this pressure of like, well, if I'm going to talk about language learning, I need to be learning a language. I was still in the midst of my a degree at this point. So I was learning <laughs> multiple languages. I would think I was like French, and, and Spanish and German and then Italian. But that felt very different. That was like the academic side. I'm like, if I'm going to be talking about this, I need to be living it and experiencing it and learning a language for myself. And I'm glad for that initial pressure, that pressure, pressure, the, you know, that initial decision that I made for myself. But then I'm also glad that I didn't kind of cave to the pressure of other kind of people's opinions of that online in the sense of, well, now I have to learn this until I'm C2. Like, because mm. mm-hmm. I just, no, I, that's, that's for some people that's great, right? And that's completely fine and valid. But I think for me, I'm very much, I want to just encourage and give permission to people who want to dabble, mm-hmm. who want to play, who want to explore and use language as yes, a great skill that you can acquire, but secondly, as a tool to discover the world, to learn more about the people that we share the world with. Before Turkish, I was spent the majority of my year learning Arabic. That was my kind of new language for the year until I knew I was <laughs> going to be going to Istanbul. <laughs> and the other option was, I think, Jordan Marathon, hence why I started with the Arabic. But yeah, so I started with Arabic and, and I think it was a language... The same with Russian before Arabic, where both of them, I always felt for years like these are too big. These languages are too vast. And if I'm going to do it, I have to go deep. I have to, you know, and I weirdly, I kind of felt the same about Japanese and Korean and maybe Chinese to an extent, but I didn't feel that that meant I couldn't learn them Mm -hmm. and explore them a little bit. But with Russian and Arabic, it felt like, You've got to really go all in, roll up your sleeves. But I'm really very glad that I didn't let that deter me and that I actually let myself play and explore a little bit despite that, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's, there's all that, like you say, you said at the beginning about unlearning. There is a lot of unlearning about that, about recognizing what counts for you and, mm-hmm. you know, setting your own kind of, your own markers of success, really, is what it is. If you yeah. want to, if you want to keep going, or if you want to change language, or if you want to take a break completely for a while, it's all good. And given the permission, that's the biggest thing. I think mm. you and um, Emily Richardson from the Language Confidence Project, you two both several times say, you know, give you permission to do this. I give you permission. Mm. You give yourself permission. And those are words I didn't know I needed to hear until I heard them. You are allowed to not do this chapter if you don't want yeah. to. 
why <laughs> I, I am of course I am I'm not doing it for a grade I'm not doing it for school yeah of course I'm allowed to do that and sometimes we need to hear that external validation that mm. it's okay yeah do you do you do what you want and it's so much more exciting that's that's part of the joy I think of experimenting and playing with the way that you learn a language and the approach mm-hmm. that you take so like with Turkish I'm not finishing the book I've kind of stopped with the book now, to be honest, because now it's getting into really sort of deeper, advanced stuff, like chapter nine level stuff. And I'm like, I don't need that for two weeks. (laughs) Like, I'll be fine with everything I've got. So let's actually sort of pause the book there, solidify what I've got. And it did a weird thing where it taught past tense in the book before it taught present tense. And so when I had my first lesson, I could say all these things in the past, like I ate a banana, I drank water, but like, she's like, well, what, what about, what are you doing? What do you do? <laughs> I was like, I don't know. And I had to skip the next chapter. I think it went on to future and then present. It was really weird, the order. So I had to skip to get to that, you know, and when you have some kind of, it initially sounds like a negative word, but it's actually a very positive thing. When you have some kind of a constraint on the process and on the learning, it can really help to just actually help you to discover new ways of learning that you perhaps wouldn't have if you were going in a very traditional, I'm working to see 2 I'm following this book in order, da, 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 way. The other example I talk about a lot is with Guarani, where all of a sudden I'm learning this language and there's no resources available in English. I can't just go on Amazon and buy a book. Never mind, go to my local bookstore and buy a book for this language. So I'm suddenly very limited in what I have available. There was a Duolingo course taught through Spanish. Well, there still is, I should say. Um, and there is a um, Peace Corps PDF on live lingua which is taught in English but it's very old so I've got these kind of mishmash of resources and what that really taught me was actually I can still learn from this I just have to see each of these resources almost like a sponge full of water and I can kind of go give it a little squeeze or I can really wring it out and get as much from it as I can. So I can take it further with like, I'm going to make my own sentences. I'm going to experiment with putting this word um, in a different context that I saw in that, in the Duolingo, you know, and really playing more with it. And through that experience, I've brought all of those skills into then all the other languages that I learned that I do have the availability of resources for, but actually I've discovered I don't necessarily need (laughs) the, the abundance of resources that, you kind of get used to when you're learning something like in your case, Italian, German, um, French, Spanish, Japanese, all of those sort of bigger, more studied languages. Yeah. And I find that having the access to all the languages, but just like anything else in life, when you're surrounded by stuff, it's actually more stressful. Yes. And it can be with physical clutter. It can be with mental clutter. When you have resource clutter, it's hard to focus. It's hard to choose. And it's hard to trust yourself that you have what you need in front of you. I have so many resources, Italian and German, especially, and I've gotten to where I just kind of go with what the mood strikes. Mm. Like I don't have expectations necessarily about what I'm going to do. I know where I want to go. 
um, for Italian, I'm studying for the B2 exam. So I have a book that like I need to dig into because it teaches you how to take the exam mm. at the same time, like access to the types of material that's going to be on the exam. So it's very exam specific, which is good. But then I can take what I learned there and go read a book. And then I see some of the same words and some of the same constructions that maybe I'm not so used to, especially that, uh, that subjunctive. When I see that now, it's really exciting to say I did this intensively. And then when I find it, you know, out in the wild or yeah. in another resource, now I'm not relearning it just because the two resources have the same thing. I'm not needing to relearn it. I don't have to go through all these exercises, but it's like that natural repetition that comes up and I'm not so stressed about, well, I haven't touched that book in three years yet. I have this course that I haven't touched in forever. When I need them, they're there. Mm. When the mood strikes, they're there. But if I focus on all of them, I have all of them. It, there's too much. There's too many choices. Yeah, It's too difficult to make that choice. Something you said earlier reminded me of a question. And if you, if you pre-prepared, pre prepared questions, do you have something, and maybe it's different for every language, but like something that brings you joy or that you really get excited about at each stage at the beginner phase, something you just love about languages, intermediate, where things kind of start to open up and become more clear. And then at an advanced stage of, of communicating something different for each phase that like, you just really love the scene come to life. Something different. Ooh, that's a very good question. The first thing that springs to mind for me is music and film to a slightly lesser degree, because obviously with a film, you've got to sit down for like an hour and a half, right? But yeah, music is the big one. I have a playlist that I curate every week on Spotify called Not My Mother Tongue. It's one of my favorite things to do every single week because I clear the list and I add seven new songs in different languages, right? Not my mother tongue, so not in English. Although sometimes, you know, I, I allow some exceptions if it's like English and another language. But I love doing that because that has introduced me long before I was learning Arabic and Turkish to a lot of really, really great music in those languages that I enjoy. There is a lot of music coming out of Africa, in particular West Africa and sort of East Central, like Kenya, Tanzania. Amazing, incredible, incredible music coming out of those parts of, of the world. And if I was just waiting, if I'm like, you know, just wait until I can speak the language. And blah, blah. But actually being a beginner and being able to explore that stuff without knowing any words that you first mm -hmm. hear. And now you on a lot of the, these songs, you have the lyrics on Spotify as well. So you can kind of see the language as you're hearing it. You can see these these different letters that you're not used to and be like, wow, that's so cool. How, how does that sound? Oh, you hear it a little bit. And then it kind of gives you this inroad to want to dig in a little bit more. And so any level, I love music, but a beginner especially, that's the first thing that comes to mind. Intermediate, I guess it's the travel. I, I, I love travel and especially I would say that I love to travel places where I don't necessarily speak all of the language. Obviously, I love to go places where, you know, if I'm going to Paris, I'm not going to like hold back on my French. But I love especially places where the language is new to me. But if I'm at that intermediate level, then it becomes this 
really interesting experience where you're no longer a beginner. You're not just looking at signs going, oh, I think mm. that means that because I saw it over there or because there's a green cross, therefore it's the pharmacy. Oh, interesting. You know, you're not just at that level and you're not at the advanced level where you can understand almost everything and you're sort of just having these conversations and people aren't batting an eyelid at you speaking the language. When you're in the middle of that and you are able to kind of have a bit of a conversation, you know, what I love about that is that it allows you a little bit of wiggle room to make mistakes, to pronounce things wrong, um, to not know words. Whereas if you go in and you sound kind of flawless, if you're at that more advanced stage, then you lose that right almost does that make sense it's really weird it does and so I love that about the intermediate stage that kind of becomes a new freedom there advanced ah I think for me it's it's harder as I think I go up the list because there's obviously less higher up less languages higher up but I would say that it's the way that it feels so ingrained language and identity are like from the same cloth, right? Language is such an important part of identity. And when you become advanced in a language, it becomes a deeper part of your identity. And so it's something that you will never fully erase from yourself. Mm. Like I said, I've, I've studied lots of languages to a reasonable conversational level. The, the example that comes to mind would be Bulgarian. Before I went to Bulgaria for just a few days, I'm like, I've got six weeks. Let's go all in. I want to see what I can do. This will be my first proper Slavic language that I'm learning <laughs> because before that I had like this mixture of what I call like Slavies of like bits of Polish and bits of Czech all smushed together. Mm. So I was like, let's really see what I can do here. So I had six weeks. I did really well. I was able to understand a lot, use a lot when I went for those few days. When I came back, I was doing something else. So I didn't keep it going. So that's a really weak language that isn't really part of my identity. Oh yeah. Whereas Spanish embedded under the skin, like that I can't, I can't, you know, out damn spot. I can't, <laughs> I can't clear that. It's there. It's just, it's just part of me. Um, and that I think is what there is to look forward to at that advanced level. Mm, that's really exciting, especially because I wouldn't say any of my languages are advanced. I haven't spoken Italian in in over a month, like not real conversation. I send some audio messages to friends, but I've just been so busy. I haven't been able to have deep language time. And so I had an italki lesson this morning and I was telling her about, you know, studying for B2. And she's like, oh yeah, you'll pass. You'll be fine. She's like, your language is definitely B2. And I'm like, yeah, but this is different than an exam, you know? And she said, okay, she has taken the Spanish B2. So she she knew what I was saying, but she's like, you definitely, it's you're going to be fine. So that's that's my best language. And in German, it's definitely not advanced. I know there's so much I have, but I had an hour, no, two hour long conversation in German last week with my kid's school counselor. And it was broken and she filled in words for me, you know, when she was following along what I was saying. But so, I mean, for all intents and purposes, I'm, I'm quote, fluent in those languages, but to know that there's still so much mm. out there to, to be advanced, you know, to just be able to function without thinking first necessarily it's really really an exciting thought that's it the thinking comes second for me with I would say Spanish and French are just the two and 
think that's a good description of it. The thinking kind of comes second. So I feel like I can just say things and I'm still making mistakes. And then, and then because the thinking is coming second, <laughs> right? That's why. So then I'm saying a thing and I'm like, oh, why did I say it like that? Because I'm only thinking about it after it's come out of my mouth. Whereas, yeah, like German, Italian, Portuguese are kind of the next tier for me where it is the thinking is kind of at the same time. I like this idea of the thinking. This is so cool. Like yeah. when you're a beginner, the thinking is really solidly happening first. The thinking and the and the using the production is kind of mm-hmm. going like this as, as you go along that scale of language advancedness. That's really cool. I like that a lot. And it, you know, people often talk about like speaking multiple languages. They say, oh, it's just like a, a switch in my brain. It just mm. switches. And I think it's a really cool analogy, but I've I've experienced it now in certain situations. There's conversations I can have totally in Italian without thinking about what I'm saying, but not, you know, really super deep, long, living my entire life in it type conversations. So at the intermediate, you really start getting a feel for that, that the not Mm. thinking so much in a language. Like you're just, you're thinking whatever you're thinking, but it's also split second and your mouth just comes out with it. And then sometimes at intermediate, you start getting little glimpses of that. You have conversations, you're deep, and then you say something at the right speed with the right words in the right order without stopping. You're like, oh, that was good. That felt good. Yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden your mind goes blank and you have no idea what's <laughs> what's going on. And because it is this kind of sliding scale, it's not like click, next level click next level Mm -hmm. it's a sliding scale it's a spectrum so you don't see that necessarily unless like you just said you're then actually taking a moment to go oh I just did that yeah it's so important to do that because otherwise you just feel like not fluent yet not there not C2 so far to go up this mountain no turn around the mountain see how far you've come up already like okay I'm doing all right and then keep going yeah Something I really love about beginner phase and even beginner can still be a pretty long phase. Yeah. You really think of how much you acquire in the beginning. Um, but I love just the initial discovery of a language. The first time you learn something new about grammar, you know, in Spanish in high school, I learned about gender. So by the time I got to Italian, okay, I, I learned that. I think I didn't learn about subjunctive until Italian came around. So that's new. And then when I get to German, the cases were new to me and discovering the new little quirks of the language and then starting to be able to recognize things just based on you know, learning that I can, I can recognize when something is in dative or accusative now, just because I know of them and still make obviously tons of mistakes in them. But that initial, like, oh, this is something new. This is a new piece to the puzzle. And then learning a new writing system or something like every language has its own little quirk. That's different yeah. than everything yeah. else. Oh, I love it. It does. And when you then get that thing, like cases, how that then opens up a whole other group of languages that you then might start down the line and be like, oh yeah, this case thing. Yeah. Don't need to read mm-hmm. the full explanation. You can kind of get the gist of it, yeah. how it works in that language. Cool. You're moving on. You kind of gradually making it easier for yourself each time. Like, you know, when I speak to people who aren't as into languages as, <laughs> as perhaps we are, um, the, the first most common question is, oh, how do you do so many? How do you not get confused? How do they stay in your brain? How do you know, right? As as you might expect. And really that's it. It's because the more you do, the easier it gets because you're actually filling in these pieces of knowledge for yourself. 
So it's just, mm-hmm. it's just a case of different words. In, in fact, sometimes some yeah. of those words might even look, um, you know, the same or similar too. You're never fully from zero. There's always something that you have to mm-hmm. give you a bit of a, a boost at the very beginning. Yeah. And even when there's something new in the grammar, like the cases, it's the first time I'd been introduced to them in that way. But English and Italian have, quote, cases, you know, it was just a different way of looking at direct and indirect objects and stuff. And to realize, like, now that I understand it in German, to realize when I get confused in a time between T and T, I think back to the German, okay, would this be in the accusative or would this be in, in the nominative or whatever? Mm. And it does help make more sense of Italian. It helps make more sense of English when we, even as native speakers, do we say who or whom? Ah, which case is it yeah. in? <laughs> and even if we don't learn English in that way, there's still these connections and, and similarities between the grammar structures that makes even our native languages more exciting yeah. when we're digging into newer languages. Yes, yeah, it's true subjunctive is is the one yes, for me yes. where like in english you suddenly went, oh god save the queen <laughs> oh, interesting yeah <laughs> or if i were to do that yeah why do we say were it's not yeah. if i was ah oh, that's actually i think one of my one of my italian friends who learned english as a third or fourth language pointed that out to me she's like yeah you do that in mm. english too you don't, you don't say if i was i'm like oh, you're right. That's true. But we don't learn it that Mm. way in school. Or maybe we did. And I just forgot. It's been a handful of years (laughs) since I was in school. (laughs) All right. I've got a handful of questions here for you to to liven things up just a tad. Um, They're kind of opposite questions. So like a favorite and least favorite, best and worst (gasps) type things in languages. Totally putting you on the spot. You're not prepared (laughs) for it. (laughs) They're easy though. So we'll start with what is your favorite language that you've learned or studied? Favorite language you've accessed? Oh, I think it's it's twofold. It's Guarani and it's Spanish for the depth mm-hmm. and for, for in part giving me access to Guarani and a lot of other languages that I haven't yet fully delved into, dove into. Is it that I haven't dove into, dived, dived? there we go haven't dove haven't dived haven't delved oh i have it oh see two english native speakers delve delve sounds good all right <laughs> listeners tell us <laughs> what is the past participle here that we're going for um in guarani is it is it the language itself that you really love is it interesting or just the whole process that flowered something new out of your your previous standard studies the whole thing it's it's the process of like I discussed about the resources and stuff and what it taught me about language learning in general and how to learn languages it's the language itself like loads of nasals and glottal stops all those things that are really fun to pronounce Mm. it's the 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 language itself in the um the sense of its kind of history and, and story is just fascinating and quite unusual it's the place and the people and just yeah it's 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 everything that is really quite quite wonderful and quite exciting to uh, to have discovered so then on the other hand of that is there a language that you have studied or learned started learning and you're like eh now this one's not for me i really really want to be good at korean like that would be so cool but 
there was something about Korean that just did not stick in my brain. Mm. Just wouldn't, it was like, I would learn stuff and it would slip right out. And I, I don't know, I, I still haven't figured out if it was something to do with the language itself and 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 the combination of that plus me. I don't know if it was something to do with the timing or what I was using or how I was learning. I haven't figured it out. Do want to try again. But yeah, it was it was it was un unsticky is the only way I can describe it. Unsticky. I could see, I can see that with Korean. I've studied very little mm. and the methods that I've used to start learning Korean are very effective short term mm. and the repetition is good. But then it's, it's like two or three days later, even when maybe in another, maybe it's just not close enough to another language that I know. There is that. And I, I think the other thing with it for me is when I like to be able to, like I described in Turkish, when I can kind of get a grasp on the basics and then I've got something I can work with from there. Mm -hmm. But when you're trying to learn hello and the first thing is like, okay, there are three <laughs> formality levels, how to say hello. It's like, okay, <laughs> instantly <laughs> you've tripled the workload. Yeah. And I think there's that kind of, not that the formalities are a barrier, but I think there's that barrier of but I just want to learn the easy steps so I can kind of progress beyond that and figure these bits out later. It was harder to do that. And, and it's obviously very accessible because so many people learn it. And it's so, you know, the, the Korean, the Korean wave, as it's called, that sort of Hallyu, I think is the word, right? Of, of pop culture of like Squid Game and BTS and all the K-pop and everything is, is incredible to watch and very 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 exciting and has obviously inspired a lot of people to learn Korean and that I just adore because I know for me that that led to me learning Spanish to the level that I, I did slash have mm -hmm. and it's that is is really cool and I, I wish that I was interested enough in the stuff to then want to devote to the language but yeah it's, it's I've just oh this isn't there yet maybe Maybe one day. Yeah. Yet. Yet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so do you have a favorite language learning tool? Like something that you always go to first thing or that you love? Okay. I'm going to give you my instant answer and then you might want another one. <laughs> it's um, it's going to sound really cheesy, but it's myself. So I think it's really, really important before anything, before any like actual sort of physical um tool to sort of look inwards a little bit and think, okay, what am I doing here? Why do I want this? What do I want? You know, do I want this to be something that goes all the way to C2 fluency? Or is this something that I want to just play with and explore and see where it leads? Asking yourself those questions before you even begin to look at tools is really key. And so then throughout the process, whatever tools you're using, whatever resources, whatever activities you're doing, you are always more inclined to then reflect a little bit more and look back in on yourself and ask and say, okay, am I enjoying this? Is this working for me? And do I need to make any adjustments? And if you've got that, if you've got that ability to, it's almost like metacognition, kind of you're, you're, you're thinking about thinking, you're sort of detaching yourself a little bit, just observing what you're doing, right? As in a very judgmental way, you're not just mm -hmm. looking and thinking, ah, oh, 
could be doing more. <laughs> right? That's obviously not very helpful. So there's a lot of um, and learning again and relearning how to do this in a very self-compassionate way that you that can actually be productive. But yeah, so that's my first answer. But I'm imagining you want something more tangible as well, right? <laughs> Once you know yourself and you have your why and you know exactly what's your second favorite, mm. is there in general a tool, be it books, music, or a specific app that, that people often use? Do you have one that you would say to anyone like start here? And if your language is here, this is a good beginner place to go. I would say um, teach yourself book courses. I like the complete ones because you know then, okay, everything I need is probably going to be in here as long as you have that ability to be able to pick and choose if needed. But if you're learning short term, then there are like the get started in, um, those sort of introductory ones as well. Mm. So, yeah, I think they're pretty good. There's a decent range of languages and that's usually a, a, a starting point for me. And the audio is free. I've never used those. Have you not? No. I have a few. I think it. I think the first might have been one Christmas when I was like 14, 15, and my mum bought me a Teach Yourself Polish kit. So I was obviously in school. I was doing French and Spanish. She kind of thought, hmm, she might have a knack for this. Let's <laughs> let's see where this goes. I never really got beyond chapter three. I still have the kit. But I was I was young and I, you know, I'd never learned outside of school before. Yeah. Um, so I was very much expecting I would listen to the audio, I would read the book and it would wash over me. So one day I'll go back and delve into that. But but that was probably the first one. And then I think from just like library sales and secondhand shops, I always have a little peek mm-hmm. in the language sections and see what's 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 here. I like the idea of having a book for as many languages as possible and you know like I've like I've said many times so far in our conversation like it doesn't have to necessarily be like a good quote-unquote resource if it's just something it's a start point in it I can go further from there but the teach yourself ones I have I have a good handful now (laughs) interesting they're a good good start point is there not to rain on any tool because I think every tool has its spot for different people. But for you, is there one that you're like, eh, there's there's a, a tool out there that you just can't get into no matter how many people rave about it? Yeah. And it's a bit like Korean where I really want it to work for me, but it doesn't. And it's audio courses when they're just audio. Mm-hmm. Um, I really wish that I could just, like, I walk a lot. I'm, I'm, outside I'm walking about if I'm going to the, I really wish that I could just put my headphones in if I'm cleaning or whatever and just learn the next lesson and and I know that like the counter argument to that would be oh well it's because you're distracted you need to sit down and listen sit down and just listen what and look at the empty white wall like no <laughs> I can't do that I need to like have something in front of me alongside that like I need to have something like a transcript of it or like I, I need to be writing some words but then you know that there just needs to be something else that's visual to coincide mm-hmm. so I wish that it worked you know to just learn on your commute and just drive and whatever like that would be so great but for me yeah I, I need that additional anchor to to make it actually work for me yeah I can do that decently for our trip to Poland back in June I did Polish through Pimsleur on my Mm. commute every morning very effective for travel for Mm. for my purposes 
but I needed first to understand how to spell words. I had to first understand because Polish has so many sounds, different letters. I had to be able to visualize the words in my head to really understand what was going on. And I find myself doing that a lot in German too, because their F and the V sound similar. Of course, the W sounds like our V. And so if I hear it, if I'm not being able to picture how to spell it in my head, I have a really hard time understanding the word that's being said. So as long yeah. as I understand the writing system and how to say, and so when I'm starting French right now, it's an absolute nightmare without having something in front of me <laughs> because there's just so, so many letters that are not pronounced. So <laughs> having that is, it makes it a whole lot easier for me too, to mm -hmm. be able to see the words. And I think sometimes we can visually see a word and connect it to something else, like with French and Italian. Mm -hmm. If I hear it, I may not have any idea, but if I see it, oh yeah, these first two letters are the same as the word in Italian. So it makes more sense. I can make that connection better when I see the spelling versus just hearing it. Yeah. And uh, do you know, I, I started an audio course recently. There was one for Arabic and one for Turkish. And I was really excited. And then right, like the very first lesson was very instructional, very much like, listen, don't be distracted. Don't be doing two things at once and don't write things down and don't do this and do do it once a day. And, don't, and I'm like, no, -uh, don't tell me <laughs> how to like, no. And so instantly I was then walls up like, nope. I, I also don't respond well, but I think that's just because I feel like at this point, I know how to learn the language and I know how I learn languages. So if there's a resource that's trying to instruct me on that very um, rigidly, mm -hmm. then I'm also like, mm-mm. Not yeah. going to work. I have used probably that exact same tool that you're speaking of because it does the same thing for, I think it was for German in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And I found it very effective. And also I can see its place. I can see that someone who like, you know what you're doing. If you want to write it down, you'll write it down. Who are you to tell me not to write something yeah. down? And then for other people who don't believe they can learn a language, who don't believe that it's for them or who haven't been able to make that connection with learning it through a book or whatever, who don't believe that comprehensible input can work, then realizing through the process yeah if you trust the process it does work if yeah. it's for you if you're the kind of learner who can learn that way it definitely does so I think that's always the takeaway is that all the tools are good it just depends on you is it is it good for you versus someone else yeah yeah that's exactly it that's exactly it and it's not in the case of it depends on you as in you are to blame mm -hmm. it's more a case of it depends on you as in just your like brain function and your yeah. like for want of a better term your learning style your personality all of yeah. these things that that play a factor mm -hmm. um yeah but my my biggest kind of bugbear with that with tools is that for people like you say who maybe haven't learned a language since school and then they start and there's all these rules if it then doesn't work for them like it mm. didn't for me then are they left feeling i'm a bad language learner I'm a rubbish language learner yeah therefore I'm just going to give up and that really sucks and I hate to think that there's people who have experienced that with a resource been brave enough in the first place to put themselves it's a vulnerable position to be in to learn a new language yeah. you know to be to be using and speaking a new language when you're used to being able to use and speak your own language so fluently and fluidly without any thinking that's the that's the final step the thinking's gone <laughs> right like 
it's it's so vulnerable. And so when people are brave enough to do that in the first place, the thought that they would be then shied away from that if it if the one thing they try doesn't work is it just really oh it upsets me. That's why I'm that's why I just do what I do because I I want people to know that stuff for themselves. Yeah. Um, you know. So speaking of you doing what you do, mm. my last opposites question that I had for you is we'll start with the negative this time. Okay. What is the worst advice you think as a teacher or coach that you've ever given to someone mm. that now you look back and you're like, Ooh, I've changed my perspective on that. I know better now. Ah, that's a great question. Um, I've got to really think back because I've done this for a while. In the very beginning, I was teaching French and Spanish and English. I'm trying to think what would I have said to someone that I wouldn't agree with now? Mm. I think for a while, because a lot of people that I was teaching, that I would teach, that a lot of the people I was teaching, there we go, were in school. So I felt kind of obliged to be very school-like in my tutoring. Yeah. So, you know, we would have lessons focused on a particular grammar aspect. And I think taking things like that out of context without then reapplying the context isn't necessarily the best way to teach. And I wish that I could go back and I feel kind of like sort of embarrassed about like the way that I felt, I felt really obliged to like, go through all of the grammar things on the, you know, the GCSE, the exam um, syllabus to make sure they were ready. But I wasn't necessarily doing it in the best way because I was thinking it has to be very prescriptive like they would be used to in school. This is just extra tuition. This is giving them a little bit more. And I wish, I think if I could go back, I would do it almost in reverse. So I would give them the example first, give them the context first and then say, what do you think this means? And see if they could spot for themselves what it meant. And then explain the the grammar that way and sort of flip reverse it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say that, I think. And on the opposite end, uh, I think this is really obvious in everything that you do and everything uh, that you talk about. But what is like, if you could sum up maybe in two sentences, your favorite language learning advice to someone, mm, what would it be? Yeah, okay. Two sentences, both very short. Number one would be, centering yourself mm-hmm. in the whole experience you know to expand on that a little bit that's this isn't this isn't the sentence that's the sentence centering yourself you know trusting yourself and making sure that what you're learning is relevant to you and the scenarios you want to use the language in all of that stuff right so centering yourself number two would be find something that you love find your Shakira is my shorthand for that because <laughs> um, for me it was Shakira and having that whether it's pop culture related whether it's musical film or books whether it is food or whether it's travel or whether it's you know something like I said about Guarani like part of that is the the story of it like the story of this language whatever it is that is like your sort of motivation um kind of your your thing that's always going to draw you back when you your motivation is going to ebb and flow right let's just get that out of the way but when it does and when it's really kind of waning just can you can be just like okay I'm not gonna learn anything new but I am just gonna pop some Shakira on for a minute and just reconnect um so yeah center yourself and find something that you love ah I love reconnecting Mm. it's interesting too because I haven't I haven't quite found something in German that I that is that for me that's reconnect I mean I live here and so I I need the language and maybe that's it it's not super motivating but maybe that's it and I do love 
German. I love the sound. I love the structure. But sometimes it's just being forced in a situation when I have to use the language, like my two-hour counseling session the other day. After that, I left and I was like, yeah. I mean, forget that we talked about some really important things that was also really good. But I was so excited. And after that, I'm like, I'm hitting the books now Mm. because I'm back. Just having the conversation, I'm back. I'm ready to dig in. And it's sometimes you don't even know what those connections might yeah. be. But if you if you know there's something there, even if you can't pinpoint it. That's it. I think when you leave Germany, then there will be something that raises its head as like the thing that you will miss yeah. will be the thing that kind of draws you back to, you know, it might be like, oh, I really miss the German baccarat. <laughs> so you go home, you start kneading, <laughs> yeah. making all that dough, like... You know, something will will come up, I think. Well, and my kids are so very fluent in the language now. It's absolutely unbelievable Mm. to see how fast, especially my daughter. And she's an extrovert. She goes and talks to everyone Mm. always. And so that has really helped her a lot. And she's at an age where it's going to click and and they're doing really deep things in school. And um, it's really, really cool. So at least knowing that they're they're at a level where they won't lose it by now. Like my son has lost his Italian mostly, but they're German, they're not going to lose. Yeah. I'm confident to say at this point. So at least having that, um, you know, when they say something, when they're talking to each other or when they find someone else to talk to in German, like just being able to see them connect yeah. also could be enough. So another question, mm. this doesn't, this isn't an opposite question. We're just switching gears here a little bit. When you, you mentioned earlier, starting to move your business online mm. and teaching how to learn languages, not a specific language. When you started all of that, did you realize at the time the extent to which you would be helping people kind of work through their limiting beliefs and personality traits and stuff? Like for me, you really, really were the foundation for helping me start to work through perfectionism as it deals with my language life. So were you just like, you know what, I'm, I'm really good at learning languages. And so I'm going to give people the tools and tricks that I've used. Or like, did you know that you would really be digging into this depth that you have? No, I didn't. Yeah, it was as simple as the first description where I was at a bit of a crossroads of like, well, there's French and there's Spanish and there's English and that's fun and all, but I'm actually interested in a lot of languages, kind of all of them. I want to talk about more than just French and English and Spanish, but I don't feel qualified is the wrong word. I don't mean in the sense of an actual piece of paper. Um, I mean, in the terms of knowledge and experience, I, you know, I didn't feel qualified in that sense to, to do that for that number of languages. And so it was like, well, I either go down a route where I make more resources, add more to the pile to teach the, the quote unquote big common languages like French and English and Spanish and German and Italian and Portuguese and Japanese. Like there's already so much for people learning that. And actually, what am I going to add realistically? Or you go down the route of um, teaching for lesser studied languages where there's less resources widely available. But then oftentimes that perhaps comes with a few sort of moral and ethical questions. And so there was this real like, well, I, I, I don't feel fully comfortable with either of them. Well, actually what I do feel comfortable with is talking to people learning all languages and actually there's something that we all have in common and it's the bit that is often 
missing. Like I said, at the start of an audio course, they might say, don't do this, do do this, don't do it this way, do use this, don't use that. Like that isn't enough, you know, to, to fully encourage someone and to fully teach someone and give people the knowledge and the tools of how to learn a language. And so I, I, I figured actually that is the thing that I enjoy talking about the most. That's what I want to do. That's what I want to talk to people about. And so that's what I did. And yeah, I, I didn't realize at the start, like you've said, the, the depths and how closely connected language learning is to everything and every aspect of life. For me, I've spent a lot of time traveling, but I've never been in one place more than three months one time. And then after that, it's like six weeks, right? So all of my life, I've lived in the UK. Like I've never lived abroad. You know, when I was growing up, it was a monolingual English household in a relatively small town with no like real motivation or, or drive to to become a multilingual town and kind of embrace now it's a bit more diverse, but embrace the little diversity there was at that point. And so there was no obvious thing for me. It was always just a thing that I liked and that I enjoyed. And I assumed that it would be naively, I suppose, that it would be similar for other people. What I didn't realize is how there would be people like you, Heidi, who have moved abroad, who have then started to learn a language, who have then uncovered all of this other stuff that has been, <laughs> you know, all of the perfectionism stuff and all of that. And actually then it becomes something deeper. It becomes something bigger. And the transformation is more felt like, like a ripple in a pond. Like it's like a, not even throwing a pebble in, you're like throwing a rock in there. Like, <laughs> boom, boom, boom. Um, but also I've worked with a lot of heritage language learners, which is, you know, something that I can't directly relate to, but through learning with them and listening and understanding that experience, it's been really fascinating to see the differences between when you're learning a language for pleasure. And in some cases, this is the same person that I'm talking about. You're learning a language for pleasure and it's really enjoyable. It's really easy. It's really fun. And then you try and learn your heritage languages and it is this different experience. It's stickier and it's, and I don't mean sticky in the way of Korean not being sticky. You know, it's stickier in the sense that it's like, almost like you're, and these are my words, like you're wading through molasses, trying to find your path and, and figure out what how you're going to do this thing, because there's so much more. I'm, I'm loath to use the term emotional baggage, but I can't think of anything else better to describe it. But there's so much more connection to that on a deeper level to that language. And so, yeah, I didn't realize the the impact and the like I say, the rocks going in rather than just pebbles of impact. So it's it's very rewarding to now have that knowledge of how my work has helped people across different scenarios and to to seek out more of those people to work with, to see more of that change is is really motivating for sure. And it has to be talking about joyful language learning from a teacher slash coach. I don't even know what you call yourself. <laughs> Neither do I normally. Teacher, coach, a guide, a language guide. <laughs> On LinkedIn, I put language consultant. Consultant. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds very professional. A language teacher, coach, guide, <laughs> consultant. 
to not only have your own language experiences that you find the joy, you find the connections and you, you construct your own sentences properly. And then you can go to the country and have your two weeks where you function in the language. And those things are really exciting and joyful mm. for you. And then you also get to experience these as the person who has guided other people. And you see people going from beginner to intermediate or, or even low intermediate to upper intermediate, which can take mm. years to do. And you get to see and guide and see the growth that they make as humans and as language learners and something that you love at the same time yeah. has to just be like, I mean, you're like always walking on cloud nine. Yeah, it's you? pretty good. It's pretty cool. I mean, I will be honest. I have something, I'll talk about it more very soon. I have something planned for the new year that does involve specific languages, but I wanted to, the reason I haven't done this sooner is I wanted to find a way that felt good, that felt that felt true to me. And like I said, those kind of moral and ethical questions that are raised, I wanted to make sure they were fully addressed in my mind mm -hmm. before I did this. So this is an idea I've had for a while that finally I think is ready to, to emerge. So yeah, I'm excited. I'll be, I'll be asking some questions very soon on my email list. So Keep an eye open. <laughs> awesome. Let's talk more about what all you do. So I came to you actually from a Google search Ooh. of how to learn a language or something. Classic. It was something along those lines. And this is back in 2019, 2020, maybe. I think it was 2019. And I came across your successful self-study course. Actually, I came through Kirsten, the Fluent Show. I came to that first and then found you through that. So sorry, Kirsten, Lindsay came after you, but I, I took your course first. And um, and I and I've I gone through a lot of that and it was just amazing. And I loved the way that you structured that course. So also to any teachers or inspiring teachers who don't know if they want to put their courses out there, like you weren't actively, I don't think, advertising this course when I found it. It was just there in mm -hmm. the background and I found it and it was wonderful, which led me to the other stuff you do. And so I know you have so much more stuff, but since then you've done Language Life, which I was also a part of and uh, was amazing. You have a podcast that is it's your second podcast. It's just yours, right? You had Language Stories and now How to Learn Language. Yeah, kind of third, because I have Teach Languages Online. Um, and Language Stories, it's still, it's on the same feed as How to Learn a Language. So you can like, yeah, you can scroll back and <laughs> see the whole thing. Which is good because it's so awesome. So what else do you do? What is your repertoire of things where people can find you in your work online? Good question. A long answer. <laughs> <laughs> so the first port of call, I suppose, to recommend would be the website which is lindsaydoeslanguages.com. And then everything is on there. So there's the the podcast, which every week I'll call it a very like loose term video. Like it's essentially just a video version of the podcast on YouTube. So if you prefer to, to consume things there, you can do so, um, but also a blog. So typically the blog will be the same, but I try and like, normally what happens is I'll write the blog and then read that aloud for the podcast so sometimes there'll be bits that come up on the podcast I'm like oh and then this and I like <laughs> add little bits in um but yeah so there's the blog version of each episode as well of how to learn a language the same for teach languages online so typically every week there's the 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 blog the podcast and the video version of that I am sort of loosely on Instagram and LinkedIn and yeah the playlist on Spotify is is one like I said one of my favorite things I have a lot of other playlists there too audio lessons 
ironically, <laughs> as we talked about that, for many, many languages and also playlists for music in different languages too. And then, yeah, like on the website, there's various different products and, and services available for learners, for teachers. So you can have a little look and see which one is, is right for you. And I will put all of those links in the show notes. I love the work that you do. And also I've seen too, I think throughout the years of following you, that a lot of the messages you send out into the language learning community clearly show your own progression as you're growing as a human being, as you're growing as someone who's more aware of nuances Mm -hmm. and morals and ethics within the language community. You can just see this growing process that also makes others want to grow and learn and know more as well, which is always really, really, really cool thing to see. Thank you. So I think we'll start wrapping it up for the week. For listeners, as you all go along your language learning this week, whatever you do in your languages or with your languages, I'll speak for both of us here, that we hope you find joy in what you're working on, in the progress you're making, and in all the little things that you're doing to improve your languages and to make connections with them and to make connections to the world around you. There is so much joy to be found, and it's such a a joyful place whenever you can find those little things that make you happy in your languages. So Lindsay, it has been an honor having you as the second co-host of Love, Joy, and Languages and the co-host of this episode with me today. So thank you so much for joining me and for sharing in the joy. Do you have any parting words? I mean, you've already said so many inspirational things, but last minute thoughts of inspiration or something to just leave us on a really happy and joyful note. I think just really take heed of the name of this podcast, love, joy, and languages, like find those things in your languages and you'll be, you'll be on the right path. Thank you, Lindsay. It's been so (laughs) wonderful having you here. Thank you. And until next time, everyone. Ciao.